It's time for Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo. This new show discusses trends, technology, and tactics to help the listener learn more about improving sales, saving money, and fulfilling a personal mission through entrepreneurship. Today on our 13th show, we'll interview Michelle Scott of Three Leaf CRM on her journey from working in corporate marketing to becoming an entrepreneur. But first, a word from our underwriter. Welcome to Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM. I'm your host, Mark Mondo. We're on the air in Valparaiso, Indiana, and you can listen to us streaming on the website at wvlp.org or use the TuneIn app on your mobile device and look for WVLP. 103.1 FM WVLP is a local nonprofit radio station based in Valparaiso, Indiana. This show, like many of the shows on WVLP, are made possible by the generosity of donors and underwriters. We accept donations at WVLP.org. Simply click on the support tab and make a one-time donation or sustained pledge to WVLP. All donations are tax deductible. Underwriters are made up of businesses and organizations that support the shows on WVLP. Getting down to business with Mark Mondo would like to thank Homes by Hortensia, a Coldwell Banker affiliate in Porter County, Indiana, for their support. Homes by Hortensia has served the region's residential real estate needs in Indiana for over 12 years. Contact Hortensia Moreno or Tiffany Zorio at 219-249-5118 or visit homesbyhortensia.com. Homes by Hortensia, habla español. All right, let's get to it. We're going to continue to bust myths that the American dream is in decline by interviewing people I know that succeed despite the doom and gloom headlines. And sometimes I fall for those doom and gloom headlines as well, and I'll hit a panic button. So today, an interview like this will also help me stay on the level and improve my game. To that end, I'm going to introduce everybody in the panel here today. To my side is the producer, the star soprano. And she's my wife. Let's introduce Mrs. Cynthia Zimmerman. Hello, hello. And to my other side is Michelle Scott, the owner of Three Leaf CRM. Michelle sees herself as a problem solver when she stepped out of her corporate marketing role in 1999 to become a CRM consultant. She was immediately hooked with a knack for sales and a background in marketing. Michelle relates to the teams with which she works ultimately leveraging Zoho sales and marketing to help her customers manage and grow their businesses. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Hello. I want to start with is every hero has an origin story. Every entrepreneur has a journey where they started in point A and how do they get to point B? And I think at every conference I attend, we all love to hear that story is how did you get started? In this case, even though I've known Michelle for many years, oh, and a fun fact before I forget, Michelle has brought Cynthia and I joy. <laughs> That's right, she has. She brings us joy because she introduced us to a product known as Hendrix Gin. And Hendrix Gin is not an underwriter for this show. <laughs> Yet. Yet. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so Michelle and I have bonded over conferences. She's introduced us to a wonderful gin to get us through said conferences. But in addition to that, Obviously, that's an inside joke among the three of us. So, Michelle, tell the rest of us here, how did you get here? How did you become this uh, knack for helping these big sales teams get stuff done when you started off in corporate America? And you're quite the opposite because the interview where you're taking place there in, in Maryland, that's not exactly a corporate office. This is not the corner office I imagined myself in when I was looking toward graduating college with my business degree and a concentration in marketing. Yeah, this is a little different. I originally thought that I would be working in an ad or marketing agency. Branding was kind of my interest at the time and graduated, got a marketing job straight out of college. My first marketing job after, you know, that sort of, we do the air quotes, that first real corporate job was with Sylvan Learning Systems here in Baltimore. And I thought I was on my way to that whole marketing thing. And yeah, I 
used act was part of my day to day. It was, I remember it was one of the few things that they listed as, you know, back in the day, software that you must know. And it was like Lotus one, two, three, an act. And it just happened to be, I was one of the few applicants that actually had act as a bullet point on my resume. So same here. Same. Isn't that funny? We both graduated about the same time. My family. Probably. Yeah. And uh, throw us in the audience before we go a little further. Can you tell the audience what an act is? is an act what like an most act people is. might see yes, ACT yes, yes, yes. like this, like the high school it, test, but what it's is it? It's not an the ACT, like the yeah, the college entrance. So act was one of the very first, and Mark, you'll probably nod to this, one of the very first CRM products on the market, which is contact or customer relationship management. So a lot of sales teams use this to help organize their data, segment their data, to kind of keep them in check. It was the next step from, you know, remember the Rolodexes and the Daytimers. It kind of bundled that all into software. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, but a million mm -hmm. years ago when we started this, there were like three on the market. It was Act, FileMaker, or you built something in Access. Oh, a Goldmine and Maximizer. Anyway, so Act was in that sort of and realm. they were at retail, so they were really ahead yes. of the game. Yes. You could go for a couple, maybe a couple hundred bucks. You're an independent business owner. You got a bunch of floppy disks. You had your IBM PC. This is before email. I mean, that's this when my family started it. Long before, before email. email. Yes. So you had a self-contained business builder in a box. You put and a bunch there, of floppy disks. Working. Was, yeah. And back then it was revolutionary to think I could ask my computer to give me a list of my prospects or my clients or, you know, instead of digging through file folders. So that was my first corporate job. And the story, but really the way it happened, it's funny, but it was kind of serendipitous. I love to tinker. So I would mess with the, the, oh God, I almost jumped ahead to Zoho. I would mess with our act database constantly breaking it. And our act consultant at the time pulled me aside and was like, listen, I get paid to fix the stuff that the users break. You're literally taking money out of my pocket by fixing this yourself. Because not only would I break it by messing around with it, but I would figure out how to fix it. So he was like, why don't you just come work for me? I fought it for probably about a year because I just kept telling myself, I'm not technical. I'm not a software developer. I'm, you know, not all of these things. And, you know. Cool. Let's hold I, on that. Let's yeah. hold on that. I want to hear, and we talked about this in our warm-up show. It's something you put, and it it hits me a couple of places. That might be a whole episode on my side, but this is about you. I think the phrase that came up was imposter syndrome and fear. Yes. And I think yes. fear and perseverance have been themes of people I've interviewed throughout this show to date. So let's talk about that. Absolutely. And I had defined myself by this degree, right? I had this preconceived notion of what I was going to be and what that meant and sort of this degree in marketing, I thought was a ticket only to this event over here, that marketing, that corporate job. And what our consultant finally sold me on was what you are doing is this anyway. You're using this database to manage it. You built it out. You, you know, you did this, you came up with solutions and things like that. So I'm not asking you to code stuff. You are not going to be a software engineer, you're still going to help with that vision, which he finally convinced me that was actually my strength. I did the old Jerry Maguire and said, show me the money. He did and I left. So that took me off on the CRM path, which, you know, was a lot of other people breaking things and us fixing it. But it also, yes, <laughs> right. A lot of that, but it also dipped me into this big picture where people were asking me for ideas like, okay, we have this box of software. We have these people we need to organize in this software. We want to do, you know, this was back in the day of a lot of seminar marketing and still snail mail marketing. Again, email marketing really wasn't a thing yet. No. How do I find a list of all of my prospects 
that are in this industry that are at this stage of our business cycle, be that sales or, you know, how warm are they? And I used that kind of higher level vision, I guess, that I didn't even know that I had of being able to see the business problem, take a piece of software, apply it to the business problem and help develop a solution. That sounds big and heady, but taking a software, customizing it so the user can do what they want to do from a sales and marketing perspective. Yeah, it, it's process plus software. And that's what usually, uh, you know, I can't get too wonky into the CRM. It can go a hundred different tangents, but it, it, for us to be effective consultants or anybody who's listening that's hiring a consultant like us, it's process plus software. They 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 got to exist together in harmony. For one sure. without the other doesn't quite make it. So so now you got okay. So you got you work for the gentleman. His, his name was Bevan, and he is helping you out. You're getting started. You have I think it was what was it, Zip City Consulting or something. Yes, you, yeah. and we grew the business. It was me, Bevan, and we had an office administrator, basically an office manager, and we grew that. At one point, I think we had five or six other consultants that worked with us. We were top 10 every year in sales and things yeah. like that. It's where Cynthia being in music, the mm-hmm. best soprano or top soprano, whatever Mark likes to say, I joke a lot that I don't have a lot of God-given talents. I can't sing. I am not, you know, five foot 10 and a hundred pounds. I'm not going to be the next supermodel, but I realized very quickly that I could sell and people trusted me and looked to me for advice that was based in what I learned, right? So even though I'm not in this corner office marketing, I had value. That was huge. Back to that kind of imposter syndrome that, wow, I'm sitting down with the presidents or the VPs of sales of these big companies and they value my opinion based on what, right? And I, so that took me kind of a little bit to get over, but that was the first I want to say five-ish years out of that path I was very set in following. We'll skip the soap opera, but for reasons that I could probably write a stand-up around, I left Zip City, went to work for another CRM consultancy, and this was now the era of, I was based in Maryland, the company I was working for based in Ohio, but it was the dawn of remote work, right? So we had- Like 2005, 2006 Somewhere around there. Yeah. It's yeah. a little foggy now. It um, all blends together. Yes. It all blends together. And we started doing, that's when I kind of got the embrace my inner systems geek. again not a coder. I know enough to speak the language so that I can talk to the people that do. But it was the first time I also experienced really good work balance. Someone that I worked for that saw that I was really good at the sales and strategy side. And they were really good at the technical and the more the back of the house, front of the house. If I'll pull on my family's restaurant kind of background. So we we had a really good relationship there as far as working, what I was really good at and what he was really good at. And again, grew the business. It was the dawn of wired contact and sort of the cloud-based in The infancy. dawn of the cloud, yes. The dawn of the cloud. I was not a believer. Funny side story. I was like, this cloud thing, this is a trend. It's going to go away. I remember we did a, we did a couple of call them trade shows or networking events where I did a whole marketing campaign about the cloud's great, but what if it's a day that the sunshine is out and there is no cloud, you know, sort of this doom and gloom. Of a, a, little, a little play on words there, I see. Yes. What, if the, what if the cloud isn't up there anyway? So we did a lot of the kind of early on web-based stuff. Again, sort of fast forward. I don't know. How, yeah. Again, we'll leave the the soap opera story for another time. But that position, I it's the first time I ever experienced kind of a work shock. I got a call one morning and I got laid off. And it whoa, hit whoa, me. whoa, 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 wait, well, hold on a sec. Hold, hold the phone. So you're being successful at what you do. 
the numbers are coming in. Clients yeah, are I don't happy. Know if you remember, we were the number one for years, year over year, wired contact. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was good. It was, so we you, built an entire hosting program. Yeah, it was, yeah, so it was something. Yeah, you're working with that gentleman and you're being successful, but even working for somebody else, the, the rug did get pulled a little bit under yet. You don't have to get into the circumstances. That's another sidebar at, over Hendrix. But <laughs> let's talk about that moment. This was such an ego hit. I had worked so hard. And Cynthia, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I think this is a very female woman. I, I know I don't want to put the gender to it, but I do think it's something that women in business, we kind of do to ourselves is we have this need to be needed. I needed so badly to be integral to not only, you know, Zip City and that business and look at what I built. And then with the next job, you know, look at what we built. And I needed so badly to be that irreplaceable cog in that machine of the company. And then to get very blindsided, candidly, by the layoff, it did something to my ego. It really did. Like, was I not good enough? Was I not working hard enough? What did I do wrong? And after several months of figuring out what kind of happened is not everybody's great at running a business. And I had always hitched myself to someone else's wagon because I had that vision of, I'm a really good employee. Look, I need it. I, you know, I make things happen. I, I'm, again, I'm that good little needed employee that's irreplaceable. Well, I was. Because uh, at the end of the day, when you're a business owner, you sometimes have to look out for yourself. And I was the disposable piece. So I immediately realized how important a network of people you can rely on comes into play. Because I, first phone call, I called my husband, bawling my eyes out. Poor, poor man thought something was wrong with the kids or a parent or something. Because again, I put so much of my identity into this job, making things happen for someone else that I was hurt, really hurt. It's a fairly common I think, yeah, sure. I don't know if it's American culture based or Western, you know, Western culture based that our jobs are our identity. Yeah, um, absolutely. I know that's yeah. something, a quick tidbit on that is that's our first question when you meet a stranger, what do you do? And that always makes me cringe a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, where work is an identity. So I wanted to kind of interject quickly on, I think that theme of my self-worth identified to my job is a very common theme. So. And uh, I do I think that. it's a here thing, right? Like if you notice in other cultures, they don't say, I am a CRM consultant. It is something mm -hmm. they do. We are that, right? Like yes. I am. Anyway, it's it's interesting. Yes. It's an interesting distinction. And it was a big wake up too, right? Like I, wow, if I'm this upset over getting laid off. Yeah, it was, it was an eye opening, but called my husband and he's like, we'll be okay. You know, take a breath, take a beat. Uh, it's funny because in my mind, I want this to, this feels like it was days or weeks on end. But I think by the end of the first day that I got the news, might've been the second, I had my domain registered. I had picked my company name and blah, blah, blah. But those hours in between were, they were painful. Called my husband then, again, that that network of people that in that ACT world, which Mark, you and I can probably say, it is one of the coolest things that ever came out of jumping yeah. into that CRM space is that network of people. Yes, we competed some, but it was it's a really cool group to get into realizing that there are these other people that understand this weird little thing and this weird little world that we work in. So called a couple of fellow CRM consultants, basically begging them for a job. And yeah. one of my probably, I've heard a couple of speakers that talk about, you're very lucky if in this world you have one to two, you probably remember the speaker, what he called a 3am call, somebody you can pick up the phone calling, you know, no matter where they would be there. So I called someone we both know, I called Michael 
And Michael makes me look like I'm a very delicate communicator, as blunt as I am. And I said, Michael, will you please hire me? I just got laid off. I've worked for this company for nine and a half years, blah, blah, blah. He knew the, he knew the origin story. And he said, no, do it yourself. You've well, done it. Well, yourself. well. <laughs> He, Usually he, you have that supporting cast, like, you know, Luke's got his Ben Obi-Wan Kenobi to support him <laughs> through the journey. That's tough love. He was telling you what tough you Tough love was to that. It, yeah, absolutely. And he said, no, I'm not going to hire you. You you did it for that company. You did it for the other company. Do it yourself. You've got this. Called another two friends, Stacy and Liz. And Liz was kind of on the hush hush on her way out. But she said, I can definitely, we'll talk about a book of business to at least get you started. Let's talk about that offline. But no, I'm not going to hire you. So felt like doors were closing, but that window was opening. And I ended up kind of jumping on it. And yeah, that's the, that's the origin story anyway. Well, we all love it. I mean, I think everybody wants to hear that story. And now you got so you get you got a book of business. You're able to negotiate a book of business to get started. To advise others that are starting is, I think what got me very lucky, and perhaps you, is we hitched on to a great brand yeah. of software for the time. And if you're a budding entrepreneur and you can hitch on to a brand and be a partner with that brand, whatever it is, it's can only help you. So we were in a product, this product called ACT in the mid 2000s, it, yeah. it, it was on a tear. So for a thousand bucks a year, we were able to be in every box at Office Depot that had a box of software on it. You open up the box, there's, our names are in it. Yeah, it was a different, it was a different world. Um, yep. And yeah, and it was, again, you know, I, I, I talk about kind of that business ego and that imposter syndrome a lot with people where coming from working for other people, my, you know, first 15, 18 ish years of my career to now be out on my own and to just suck it up and ask for help. You know, I did mm. a little bit mm. of, I did a lot of subcontractor work to begin with until I got my legs. I had never set up a company before. I didn't know what it was to, do you want to be a C-Corp or an LLC? Or I didn't know what any of that was. I'd never mm -hmm. created an invoice for any of these companies I worked for. I just did the stuff, I thought. Yeah, so that was that was kind of an interesting, here you go, jump off the cliff, little bird. And, you know. I, I'll talk about my resources, but I want to be quiet and listen to your story on how did you get that help? And I'll talk about how I got my help. Yeah. So thankfully, as far as the business setup stuff, my husband is, I don't like to pat him on the back too much for him to get a, a big ego, but he's very good, has a lot of connections. One of his best friends was a business attorney. So he literally filed all of my paper stuff yep. for me. Got my went and bought my first little license of QuickBooks, and I was off to the races. Um, yeah. That was really kind of the the start of it, and I'll never forget getting that. You probably remember too getting that first check from a client. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, I sent out an invoice and they paid it. But yes, that, that getting that first and that asking for hey, do you want to go with that company I worked with before or do you want to stick with me kind of thing? Those were hard phone calls to make. I was lucky that ACT also knew who I was at the time. And mm -hmm. again, very eye-opening to go from one of the top performing companies to now just little old me. But that kind of, well, Michelle, we knew you were the one selling. So, okay, you can still sell. You're not under an umbrella of the same person, but it's still you. That was very that kind of got me feeling a little uplifted again that, yeah, I can do this. So then again, fast forward, you have to be willing to pivot because as we know, that installed software thing started to go away. So I needed to look for other things. Yeah. On my side of the fence um, to get started for helping our audience members ask for help. There's definitely no shame. I grew up the other way around where I had to be all things and asking for help was really not the way to go. Oh, our uh, age I, era. Yeah, yeah, it's a sign of weakness. It's not. Know who your people are. 
Yeah, that, I think that's changed. So to get the business help, I did ask for some help, of course, without feeling that shame, but others I didn't. Uh, to summarize quickly, my mom is a paralegal, so she hooked me up on the, the legal side in Illinois to file the corporation papers. I had a little bit of an accounting background from, from college, and I installed QuickBooks for desktop, learned how to create an invoice. Yeah. And what we charged back then, I was just excited, like, look, family, I made X thousand bucks, X thousand bucks doing my first month of billing, and I was just absolutely excited. Well, Michelle. I'm finding this fascinating because I think also I want to come back to the imposter syndrome. I think a lot of people, especially women, feel that they have to be more than 100% qualified for moving on to the next position or even asking for a job where I've noticed a lot of my male colleagues, and this is not a critique, go in with saying, I might not have all the credentials or the experience, but I've done this and I'm willing to learn and I will, you know, be able to be a valued asset in this position. And more than not, they get the position. And so I admire the fact that not only did you have a network of people that were kind of giving you tough love and, and realistic answers saying, not saying or just patting you on the back, say, you'll be fine, you're great, you're right. wonderful. And really making you basically go out there and make the tough decisions and also connect with that network of people that could really get you to the next step. And I think also many times we don't want to ask for help. We want to figure it out. I know for me, a lot of times I need to figure this out myself. Otherwise, I'm not, I'm not doing my job. And if I ask for help, then that's a sign of weakness. So on that, can you go in a little bit more about just confidence and self-worth and maybe what you receive back and forth as a woman going into this field? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's interesting because I I know this is different than what is out there. And I've always kind of, I will 100% give my mom credit for raising her two girls to be not in that unicorn rainbow butterfly sense of you can be anything you imagine to be, but very, if you put the work in, you can do what you want to do. She was very empowering that way, is very empowering to us that way. And she's the feistiest little five foot nothing redheaded Irish woman you'd ever want to meet, but very, very, you know, giving us the, you will succeed kind of attitude if you put mm -hmm. in the work, work, not just because you imagine it. But so I always approach things. God, I, it's so funny because I, even in my mind's eye right now, I can see a t-shirt I had when I was little and it was, I don't know if you remember the Flintstones, it was pebbles and it was her little thing underneath pebbles said, anything boys can do, girls can do better. Great. Well, you can have <laughs> the Flintstones. You can't go wrong with pebbles and bam bam. Yeah. Okay, that made me really, really, really old. Did I think I was better than boys at everything? No, but I was never scared to step toe to toe mm. with a male counterpart ever. And I think you're onto something. We are conditioned, I think, as women to not be a bother to, you know, guys do have that. They'll go in and ask because I think guys are kind of, most of you are pre-programmed with, if you don't ask, you're never going to even have a chance of getting the answer to it. I think a lot of women- How about dating or asking in sales? Everything. Okay, and just I make shush, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I, but so I go in, if I'm as good, I'm not the best but I'm just as good as a lot of men and women in my field. And I go in and I ask for the dollars. I, you know, Mark, you and I have kind of talked about this on the side too. I, I early on went in very expensively, I mean, very inexpensively, excuse me, thinking I'm not worth it yet. I haven't been on my own that long. Guess what? I am. I'm not the cheapest. I'm not the least expensive, but I'm not getting outrated by the guys in my industry. And I never, since very early on, I, I just haven't because why, you know, I, yes, there are guys, men in business that I'll come up against that make you feel your womanness may have some sort of 
detriment to it. I've never believed it. So I've never let it work. Does that make sense? Yes. Do they even question you about in. your life work, you know, balance, like because you are a working mother, if did that ever come up as well, can you actually do the work for us? Do you have the I time? I 100% think so. And something I learned probably in about my second year of business is people for the most part respect boundaries from a man or a woman. Um, you know, I, I learned very early on and I've been an early adopter, if you will, on the whole work from home thing. Since 99, I've worked from a home office, if you will. And so that part wasn't such a big transition, but that whole asking for what I'm worth and the the work balance was the that whole work from home thread that I was trying to stay on. It's very easy when you work from home to, oh, let me just check the emails one more time, 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, where I started physically locking the office door so that I had to leave. Like you don't leave mm -hmm. when you work from home. You're always at work. So yeah, that work-life balance where I would get questioned, I very, again, my, my pivot to that was I'm going to set the boundary and the expectation right away. Whether I have kids or not, I don't do weekends unless I make the decision to do it every once in a while. I, you're not going to get me at six o'clock at night because I've already, and I always set that expectation with my people right away. And I also made an early decision too, that if you have a problem with, I need to cancel an appointment because my kid's sick and I'm a mom, you're not the right fit for me. Mm -hmm. And that's scary too, right? Yes. So, yes. Cause then you're like, where's next client going to come from? Absolutely. If they say no. Absolutely. Yes. But it's been huge in being able to manage the life and the business and have both. Mark, kind of back to that. Yeah. I am a CRM consultant, but I very much tried to switch that thought process around. It's what I do. It's not really, it's not all of who I am. So no, I've never been questioned on it. And when I am, I shut it down real quick. I have How do you do down. that? How do you shut oh. it down real quick? I... God, I wish there was some secret sauce I could pass on. I am very transparent in the beginning and a lot of people appreciate that. And I I think a lot of us are so vague in the beginning with what we do, what we promise, because we, we just want to get to that finish line of the signed contract or the paycheck or whatever. I'm mm -hmm. very upfront right away. Here is how I work. Here are the expectations. And I literally will tell them, and I lean on this uh, marketing background, is that old adage of either ask the same question three times, three different ways, or make your statement three times, three different ways, because they're not going to hear you the first time. Yeah, if you didn't know that, that one, that's a great tr trick, kind of peek behind the curtain. But I lay it out there right up front so that I can point back and say, we get my expectations, right? This is, and that willingness to walk away. Yes. I, that's an interesting pivot. I've taken the industry tact where the software we support, unless the house is on fire, we don't have to be there on the weekends. I've been right. in one situation, maybe two, where the house is caught on fire because of a software problem. Yep. And literally, Cynthia, right? <laughs> it was. No, it was a really yeah. tough no, one. I, I, I've, a lot of friends of mine have been therapists. During that time, including Cynthia, there was one time where uh, there was a software glitch with one of the products we supported, and it literally took this guy's business down to its oh. because they needed the software to be that good. Yeah. Um, that's probably the only time I've had to violate the boundaries. I mean, on a Sunday afternoon dealing with this guy, um, it, it was down. I was caught. All of us were caught. It was a horrible three ring circus between myself, the client and the hosting provider. Mm -hmm. It was a horrible circus. What we wound up doing to solve that was to change the business process rather than the software, so to speak. The business process changed. And then we fixed how the software performs. We had to change a little bit on their environment. The problems have gone away. But, you know, if somebody emails me at 10 p.m. on a Sunday, I'm not going to answer it. Like I said, house on fire boundary. 
Now, if for those in the audience who want to get into the IT support business or a managed service provider, and you want to have your Sunday nights to yourself, don't go in that business. Right. We joke, nobody is going to die because you got an object not set to a reference of an object error. For the most part, let's, yeah. No. Right. Yeah, yeah or just continue. What does that it, mean? Oh, it's just. No a, one knows, Cynthia. We did, We don't even really know. That's okay. Okay. So that's just, all right. You know, or just a, a nag error. We'll call it like a nag yeah. error, but you can yeah. continue working. Mm. Um, unfortunately, in the case that I'll talk about is the system would literally crash and leave and they'd have to oh. re-log in and the, they were under pressure. So mm-hmm. I don't want to get too much into my trauma, but I, but it's about boundary setting. And let's talk about how to get into that mental health checkup. I, in hindsight, and again, this is only hindsight, 20 years later in, in doing my work to have that mental health, not only your fiscal health, you got your in Michelle's case, your husband's friend sets you up with the legal corporation side stuff. You got your QuickBooks software. You got your desk. What about mental health? Like, if there's a mental health condition like depression or fear of rejection that's way under your psyche that you may know about or not know about, how important is that to get checked? For me, I didn't realize that it was too late about some psychology issues I had that were spilling over into my work. So I want to, what do you, I really like knowing more about myself from a mental health standpoint. What was your experience with that? Isn't it interesting as an entrepreneur, you know, we have this, we talk about this American dream and how, how glamorous it sounds to work for yourself, working for yourself by yourself as a solopreneur that I was for, you know, several years pre-COVID. It's lonely. Good Lord, it's lonely. And being in not a niche industry, but what we do, a lot of people don't get, like even my kids would be like, you know, oh, mom sits in front of a computer all day. Okay, well, that's not really what I do. Not a whole lot of people understand what a CRM or a marketing consultant, what does that mean? So to kind of have people around me, whether actually here or people that I can call on the phone. I have a daily lunch break. We do break fast. I have a friend that does similar to what we do on the West Coast. He has his coffee. I have my lunch and we talk every day because it's so important to have that check-in of someone that one understands and can relate to what you're doing. But just to have that other person is big because it can be lonely and isolating and scary working just by yourself. And I used to put that all on myself because I didn't think I could get help. So I culminated, I probably in hindsight, compounded problems that I didn't know I had. And I think for, if I were to be uh, advisory to listeners here that are starting on their own, uh, you really don't have to be on your own. Get that network of support. Most people turn to their spouse right away or partner, or, you know, you have a BFF, you know, get that BFF in there. If it, is another group of people that can help you. It's called a mastermind group. You may have heard those phrases. It was a management technique by, I think it was Napoleon Hill in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, or something like that, where you get five, maybe five to 10 people. There are non-competing industries. Y'all meet and help each other out. You can be either group therapists or solving a business problem. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I didn't believe in this in the beginning. I am very, you know, we talk about that self-reliance and asking for help. Most of mine is my network of people, not literally a mental health professional. Not that I'm not 100% behind that and think it's very important, but I'm also very stubborn. But I schedule some of my little mental health check-ins, meaning get up from your desk. I know that sounds silly, but if you could see our video, my dogs are walking around in the back of the office. And once a day, I make sure if it's not pouring rain, we go and we walk the farm. It's on my calendar. It's just like those lunches to make sure that it isn't all consuming, right? Because it can, it can get heavy. Oh yeah. No, I struggled with that myself, even just with, I work, you know, remotely from home four days a week. And 
I literally have to remind myself to, to get up away from the desk. I could work until midnight if I don't stop myself. Absolutely. So it, that balance is a real struggle for me. Um, it's for a lot of people, right? I think it is for a lot of people because it's just there. Where... And one of the hardest boundaries I've ever found, Cynthia, to set is that boundary with yourself. Yes. That whole, nope, I am not going to work past insert time here. You know, mm -hmm. Mark, you might even be one of the ones that teased me about it. One of the gifts of being an entrepreneur that I worked toward was, because, mm -hmm. you know, as an entrepreneur, you don't necessarily give yourself a raise, but I set a mark. If I meet this goal with my business, I'm taking half day Fridays between Memorial and Labor Day. And nice. I, for the most part, do. If it's raining, I, I, I'm here catching up, but schedule it. Hold yourself to that boundary that you're going to set for your own mental health, for sure. Literally for your business sanity and, and beyond. Mm -hmm. No, that's so important. And especially in the U.S., I, I find from some of my friends that do live overseas, this is like, why, why do Americans just work, 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 work? That's all they seem to do is work, 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 work. Yeah. And part of it is necessity. There are people that have to do that just to keep a roof over their head and food on the table, unfortunately. But for a lot of us, it's, it's kind of a badge of honor that look how many hours I'm putting in. And that's really not a healthy way to, it to be. It isn't. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. What do you think of um, another mental health thing to address? Again, whether you have a, professional therapist in your life, that's obviously a case-by-case -case basis. Sure. I went through it about 15 years ago uh, through a heavy time because of a lot of other personal life circumstances. And they, I think all of it came together. And when I came out of that, I was able to make the business that much better. Uh, my anecdotal evidence is, hey, if you got something in your head, you better get it worked out because it will, I think it'll spill over. Do you think people in American culture have that fear of poverty or the fear of things coming down? And if so, how can people balance that out? Like, hey, you can't totally slack, but by the same token, give yourself a break like Michelle wrote about, take that dog walk or put that on your calendar. What do you think? I mean, I, I think to your point, it's, it's kind of mission critical, right? But also like Cynthia said, there is, like in the beginning, I had to be scrappier, right? I had to... Yep. I had to take the jobs that I didn't necessarily want and deal with that annoying client that I didn't necessarily want to deal with because you need, you need, you literally need that job to keep the lights on. But it's, yeah, when you set those, I, I try to set those milestones of where am I going to give myself that break? Where am I going to give myself that flexibility of that grace of being able to say no, right? Like, I, I think that's super important. Fair enough. All right. I think we've gone through really well on the mental health side of things and the support system. And Hendrix. Oh, that's a support system too. Yes, yes, that yes. Is a Not the hall. We're joking. We're joking. <laughs> but yes, you do need a maybe an unhealthy release on occasion as well. So <laughs> let's talk about, Michelle, what other tools are you using to become successful? Because you started where uh, this may have not been just in the biography, you started off with a piece of software that had more technical problems than business consultative problems. You've evolved that skill set, but let's maybe get back into some nuts and bolts. What other tools have you utilized to make yourself more successful? Here? Like what? One of the things that was a big evolution of my company was starting to see the decline in the installed software market and starting to look for a replacement product kind of forced my hand into adjusting the way that I run the business. So, you know, probably, well, I can tell you nine years ago, I started looking for another product as people were leaving to go to, you know, the cloud base, the sales forces of the world. I wanted an off-ramp. So you're going to leave ACT because you want cloud-based. It sounds like that thing, the cloud's going to hang around for a bit. Despite your presentation. Despite my presentation. I wanted something to offer them. Wait before you leave. Let's look at what you need and what else we have to offer. And I kind of stumbled on Zoho. Thank you, Jeff Bolden. 
And Zoho's been a game changer and they're not a sponsor, neither is Hendrix. But Zoho with the suite of cloud-based products, I find I learn best if I use. So mm-hmm. I had used ACT for so, so long, but I forced myself to move into Zoho to run my own CRM. Then when you know it, they have an accounting system. So I started using Zoho Books and look, that's on, you know, and oh, wow, it's in the cloud and I can take a family vacation and have two work days during that family vacation and still make some money to pay for the family vacation and then enter Zoho Desk, right? Like a ticketing system and being able to manage those support requests and things where I'm very big on setting your business up to be as nimble as possible and doing as much with as little as possible. So I can do, you know, the work of five-ish people because of the systems I've set up. I send what my. What was the think work? Oh, sorry to interrupt. No, what you're fine. Thi- I call it the think work versus the do work. Actually, that was phrased yes. by one of my our other guests on the show, Michael Wyan. He helps me divide the world into think work versus do work. Yep. And how would somebody go about? You made that ginormous pivot, at least for in the CRM software industry. How somebody that's outside, not necessarily in CRM, what was your thought process to do the think work? to make that pivot? I think what I looked at, I sat down and looked at the monotonous stuff I was spending a ton of time doing repetitively. Because in this day and age with technology, repetitive tasks can be automated. So what could I set up? And what did I miss? I am really good at the sale side. I suck at follow-up. And I didn't realize I sucked at follow-up until I started looking at my metrics of what do I have hanging out there versus what did I actually close? And holy wow, did I have a lot. So guess what I started doing is if a quote in my CRM hangs out there for X number of days in one of these stages, automatically follow up with an email. And I so get So does the pers- email go out to the user without your intervention without me doing or anything. Do you make it a task? Nope. That somebody it gets on the phone goes. and does it. Yeah, and I won't get into too much of the marketing research. You know what I what a nerd I am in that way, but we're in an era, thankfully, people generally don't want to be talked to. This is actually really critical. We're too to big. Hear. We're too busy. We're too busy. That is there true. Are so many polls I could cite out there that people either want an email or a text or a chat bot, or they don't want to answer the phone because who calls our phones? Spammers, right? Like anyway, so I do it via email. Almost 100% almost of all of my communication is digital in one way or another. So yeah, I took a real hard look at what are those monotonous tasks I do? Little things like you know, we booked this via my online scheduler. How much time do you waste going back and forth on that? Hey, Mark, can you do this podcast recording or this show recording at this time? Well, yeah, but how about half an hour late? No, just go do it. Use the tools that are out there to make more efficient work of that monotonous, repetitive stuff. Because in this day and age, you don't have to click a button to make it happen. It can just it can just happen. So using that technology to your advantage. Yeah. So the pieces of technology that Michelle's talking about, especially online scheduling, I think you're going to start seeing that. You'll see it from like from banks that say, click here to make an appointment with your banker. Like, oh my God, that's got to be really expensive software if only big banks have it. No, actually. Really not. I think, yeah, I I don't want to quote the pricing, but it's I want to say it's under $150 a year and it is a game okay. changer. Game changer. And there's even free versions. I mean, there we, are free we, versions. Uh, you Calendly. know, I love pretty. So yeah, I, mine, I do use Calendly. There are a bunch of them out there. Acuity, yeah. Calendly, you know, kind of like cars nowadays. Think of the features you want and find the one that fits. There's yeah. so many out there. Yeah, it's, that was it. That was huge for me is the, Shifting the what I love to do time, like the selling, the consulting, the people side of it, that's what I love. And doing the that admin side, you know, I've looked at things like hiring an admin or a VA, which can work for a lot of people. 
most of mine I could solve with the technology and automate it. Yeah, we uh, don't have a VA here. Uh, yeah. I have set up, and again, we're we're not necessarily making commercials. I mean, these are products we use in-house. Like Michelle was talking about, if you look at systems that all integrate, the more products can integrate with each other, the less redundant data entry you have Absolutely. to do. So in our case, uh, I use Zoho CRM as the foundation. So when they become a client, I click a button and they go into our accounting system called Zoho Books. Yep. So again, a little less repetitive. And it also talks to Outlook for my email. So when I click another button, it goes right to Outlook. So I'm not managing multiple silos. We're actually, and no matter the scale of your business, whether you're one, one or two people, I think it starts happening when you get to like two and above. I'm yeah. actually working on a case with our neighbor, uh, Cynthia, uh, Cheryl's firm there, the co-working space. They got two people and they're already putting data in the four silos. So think about that. If you're putting data in more than one silo or you know, if you're two people putting data in the multiple silos, you better start taking a hard look. And that's what we're going to be helping them with. So invest in the systems and the streamlining for sure. So, all right, we're going to, we're almost running to the end here. We have, it's our new segment, the Pearl of Wisdom. Michelle Scott, you get to issue a Pearl of Wisdom in one minute. Oh boy, Pearl of Wisdom, good Lord. I think it's something that took me a long time to learn is realize and get comfy and cozy with your worth and your expertise. Yeah, we are our worst critics for sure, but accepting that you are good and you are of value. If you are in business and you have paying customers, they're paying you for a reason believe in that and get comfy and cozy with it that you know push that imposter syndrome out and lean on your expertise and your value perfect so we're reaching the end of the hour here i'd like to thank cynthia for keeping us on the level and on time today you're very welcome and i'd like to thank michelle for coming on the show today and sharing her experience and insight as an entrepreneur like we could have talked for another hour. Thank you, guys. We definitely could have. This is wonderful. If you missed some of the show today, you can listen to the replay on Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Time on WVLP 103.1 FM or live stream at www.wvlp.org. And we store the past shows on Mark's website at www.mondocrm.com forward slash podcast. Or you can listen to the podcast on your favorite app at any time. We're listed in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Podbean. Just search for Mark Mondo and the show will come up. And you can subscribe to the show for the latest updates. And the show is now on YouTube. Just search for Mondo CRM or Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo and the episodes will come up on the YouTube feed. Thank you very much for spending time with us today. And we'll see you next week.